Welcome everyone. Uh, my name is Sausan Kadura and you are listening to Digital Sites. Joining me on the phone from Seattle, journalist Jane Sihu. Jane writes uh, mainly about science, technology and the outdoors. And recently Jane wrote an article published on Slate.com. The article was called The Story Behind the Extinction Rebellion Symbol at Climate Protests. So one of the digital sites you might have seen a lot lately, whether it's online or printed, is what we call the extinction logo. You probably saw it printed on posters and shared many times online, and even it was projected on buildings by activists. The logo surpassed the digital world and is now being drawn on walls and streets. In many cities around the world, I saw a few of them in Montreal, people are also recreating it in all kinds of ways, like uh, setting up candles to form the shapes of the logo on the street. So you might not know it by name, but many of you might have already seen it. Again, people who were in Montreal and probably in, in other cities around the world, you probably also saw it during the, the big march for climate that happened in September 27th, for example. Um, and you probably saw it in that march because the logo seems to be becoming the symbol of the environmentalist movement. So today with Jane, we will talk about this logo, what it means, who made it, and how this simple symbol or this simple logo seems to be becoming the symbol of a massive international movement, which reminds us of other logos created before, like the peace logo and the anarchy logo. So we will also talk about the parallels maybe we can find between this new extinction logo and these two logos that we are familiar with. So first of all, thank you, Jane, for talking to us today. Thanks so much for having me. As I mentioned, we are talking about the increasing popularity of the extinction logo. People, as I mentioned, have seen the logo probably before. But for our listeners who haven't seen it or are still not sure which logo I'm referring to, can you maybe describe the logo for us a little bit? How does it look and what what is the meaning behind its design and the different shapes? It's a very simple logo. So what is the meaning behind it? Yeah, so um, the logo, right, like you mentioned, is, is a really simple uh, set of shapes. So it's one big circle. And inside of that is, are two triangles with the points facing each other. So what it ends up looking like is an hourglass inside of a circle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the symbolism that a lot of people are drawing from this, um, and it seems like the intent actually of the creator, um, is that it actually is an hourglass inside of the circle. And the circle represents Earth. Um, and the hourglass represents the time that we have left um, or don't have left um, in addressing climate change. So you mentioned the creators. So can you maybe talk to us a little bit how this logo was created, who created it? I remember reading in the article you said that there's the creator that doesn't give a lot of interviews. So who is uh, the creator and why do we know why that logo was created in the first place? Um, that's right. So um, it was created by a street artist in London whose um, name goes by Goldfrog EFT. Um, and yeah, he doesn't seem to give a lot of media interviews, but from what I could find in doing research on this article, um, he did do one interview with a blog called Eco Hustler. Um, and he mentions that he was already making protest art and it all just seems to come together in thinking about how the environmental movement didn't already have a symbol that was associated with it. So he went about trying to create one. And I think he, he mentioned that he created this back in 2011. So it's actually been around for a while, but it seems like it's just 
starting to gain more popularity in recent years. And so that's interesting. That's an interesting thing. When I realized it was uh, created in 2011, I was kind of curious why, and correct me if I'm wrong, but my impression is that the logo now seems to be gaining this momentum. I don't know. Is that impression true? And why is it now gaining this uh, momentum? I think so. Just because he created it in 2011, I guess, doesn't mean that it started appearing places very often. I imagine that, you know, as a street artist, you're probably tagging things. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe it was popping up around London and people weren't paying much attention to it. Uh, but I believe that it ended up being exhibited on a sign at an art show in 2014. And that was maybe one of the first debuts of that logo in a way that, you know, a lot of people might have seen it all at once and the meaning would have been maybe more tangible and it would have been recognized more explicitly as a logo or a symbol of some kind instead of just a tag. But yeah, I, I'm actually not sure what got the ball rolling on um, why it's become so popular in recent climate protests, but it seems like people have grasped onto this idea and if it was, uh, you know, been, been around for many years, I can see how it's just had time to spread I read in another article about it, and I'm not sure if that's the thing that kind of gave it a little bit of fire at the end, but I read like in 2018, the Extinction Rebellion, which is uh, an environmental uh, an environmental activist group that started in the UK in 2018. It was formed by a collective of 100 academics, and uh, it's intended to pressure government to take action against biodiversity loss and climate and ecological uh, collapse. And so... What I understood from our article is that they adopted basically this logo in 2018. So I'm not sure if that's the reason maybe in the last year we saw it a lot being displayed. That that would definitely make sense. I know Extinction Rebellion has been behind organizing a lot of these protests and demonstrations. Um, and by adopting a, a single logo with it, I can see how that's popularized it for sure. So in your article, what I thought it was interesting as well is like you point out that you point out that this is not the first time, you know, it happened uh, that a movement adopt a logo or that a symbol kind of get adopted by a movement or sets of ideas or values. And you make the parallel with two other symbols, the peace logo and the anarchist logo. So can you talk to us a little bit about this parallel that you mentioned and between these three logos and how kind of they share, you know, similar values, maybe and ideas? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, the first time I saw the Extinction logo, the first thing I thought of were the peace sign and the anarchy symbols just because the the simple design of a circle around something central um, seemed to be something that all three of these symbols have in common. So if you don't know the anarchy symbol, basically it looks like a giant A <laughs> inside of the circle. Um, and I think most people are familiar with the peace sign, but it's, you know, three lines inside of the circle. Um, and so I just got curious about kind of the history of using these symbols and, and whether the artist might have explicitly thought about these previous symbols in designing his. And I didn't see anything specifically saying that he was inspired by either of those symbols, but I, I can't imagine that that couldn't have gone into it, right? Like mm-hmm. these are just such hugely popular symbols that um, I can imagine that just kind of enters your psyche and, and would influence any kind of logo or design you might make. But yeah, one interesting parallel that I noticed between the energy symbol and the um, extinction logo is this ethos of uh, non-consumerism. So I know that the creator of the logo and also the extinction rebellion has been pretty explicit about this. 
um, that nobody can make money selling you know, merchandise off of this that has a symbol. And that it seems like the, the idea behind it is that they really want to keep it um, as an open logo that anyone can use without fear of having to you know, copyright it. So yeah, I guess also it seems like there are some parallels between the extinction symbol and the peace sign. Both, I think, are pretty connected with movements that have a lot to do with, well, protest movements specifically, but also movements that are rooted in concern for the earth. Mm. Um, so I think one thing that people might not realize is that the peace sign actually began as a protest of um, nuclear war. So I, this is actually something that I learned in <laughs> researching this article. Um, I did not live during the era where the peace sign <laughs> was created, um, but it was drawn out of the Vietnam protests originally. And the lines in the peace sign, um, the three lines, are actually a combination of the letters N and D if you're using flag signaling to stand for, I think it's no disarmament. Uh, nuclear disarmament. Yeah. So, yeah, it seems like both of these symbols were kind of born out of this concern for, for something that's happening on Earth and to try and protest that thing to try and make the world a better place. Mm. So for the peace sign, the flag signaling is what um, it's uh, basically signals that usually people use to communicate wi with ships. So, you know, when people stand with like a flag in each uh, hand and they make arm signals. So and so these signals, many people might not know, but they correspond to specific letters. So that's the inspiration behind the peace lo logo that you mentioned and the anarchy logo. I'm assuming most people know it, but just to remind them, it's an A inside an O, so A reference uh, anarchy and O order. So that's for these two logos. You mentioned how the value of this extinction logo is very anti, you know, um, aligned with anti-consumerism and so on. I want to read, I want to quote the, the, the artist or the creators uh, themselves on the website of the logo, what they wrote. I'm going to just read it. Since its inception, the extinction symbol has always been a strictly anti-consumerist project. No extinction symbol merchandise exists and it, it never will do. The free use of the extinction symbol by individuals in their personal artwork or other forms of expression is strongly welcomed and encouraged, but any form of commercial use of the symbol is completely against its ethos and should therefore be refrained from. Please do not use the symbol on any items that will be sold or for fundraising purposes, nor to endorse any businesses or political organization. This is an ecological symbol of peaceful resistance. It should not be used for any purposes or ideologies associated with violence. There are no exceptions to this policy. Thank you for your understanding in this matter. So that's I just wanted to quote the creator. Uh, himself what he basically intended with that logo and what the value he wants to be linked to it but uh, so the artist is from it's a London based artist like you mentioned ESP I guess when I read this um, and then when I read the parallel you made with the peace logo uh, especially the peace logo I was wondering I don't know if you have an opinion about that but I was wondering how much the creator will be able to really control it, uh, especially if the logo really catch on and become this symbol like the peace logo. 
we know the peace symbol, for, for example, it's, it really went beyond what was the original idea behind its creation. And now you see it used in every commercial like industry, <laughs> right. you see it in fashion and, and shoes and everything. So I was wondering if you have an opinion, like, do you think a symbol, symbols like this really can, can the creator really kind of control how it's used once it's out there and become, you know, used by the people? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> I think um, I think it's only a matter of time. But uh, for now, you know, it's very honor system, and it seems like you know I'm actually very impressed that I've not yet seen anyone trying to capitalize on this. I think that as long as as a society we all decide that this should be a logo that we're not going to exploit for trying to sell <laughs> merchandise, um, that, you know, if someone did probably end up making a shirt or something, at this point, I think people would cause enough of a, a think about it that they might be disincentivized to try and do that. And that in the long run, they might not make any money and they also look terrible. But I, I think with anything in history, once we gain a little bit of distance from the original um, creation of, of any symbol, I think a little bit of the original intent in the meaning gets lost, um, just like right we saw in the in the peace sign. It's hard to control really what will happen with it, but one hopes that it retains a little bit of the original meaning. Mm. So uh, contrary to how logos usually work, so usually you have a company or an artist or a band or whatever a corporation wants a logo, usually the choice of it is an internal decision. When it comes to these logos, are, uh, it's very specific and unique because for them to become the logo of a movement, really people have to resonate with it and adopt it and use it to finally become a logo of a movement. So I was wondering if in your research you could kind of um, talk about what can, can we analyze or have theories about what, can, what makes a logo be more susceptible to spread or to resonate with people? How, can we really know in advance that this logo will become popular or have you know, the criteria needed for it to be kind of become a logo of a movement? I think there are two major things that um, this logo touches on that makes it widely appealing. Um, and it's funny, I talked with a, a professor of design about why this logo works. And he said, if this street artist were one of my students, I would give him an A <laughs> because he did a good <laughs> job in designing it. Uh, but I think the first element that really helps the extinction symbol um, become popular is that it immediately is identifiable um, to people what it is. I think um, it's pretty obvious that it looks like a, an hourglass to me anyway. That was my first impression of it. And I, I've seen a lot of other people immediately have that reaction as well. It just seems like it's an immediately identifiable symbol. Um, and I guess the other thing is that um, not only is it identifiable, but it's also really easy to draw. I have definitely been to my share of protests and tried to make signs or <laughs> even if you you know you, you were in high school and you tried to make signs for your like high school pep rally or something like that you know how hard it can be to draw something especially something really big <laughs> um, so having something that's a symbol that you can really just kind of bang out with just a few brush strokes uh, if, you know if you're painting or something seems like it would be way easier <laughs> to propagate that kind of symbol than something more complex. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think 
it's recognizable and it's easily replicatable. So it has gone on and become so popular. So in your article, you quote two people. One is Oscar Fernandez, who is an adjunct professor at the Columbus College of Art and Design. And he talks about how he thinks that the extinction logo has the potential for staying in power. But uh, you quote another person, Ken Colesbun. He's a peace activist and author of uh, Peace, the Biography of a Symbol. And he disagrees and seems to be concerned that the logo is a bit negative with its, quote, severe and sharp angles. So, yeah, so there's and so he doesn't believe that this logo is maybe good. He thinks that it's too negative and now we need something uplifting. Can you talk to us more about these two angles of looking at this logo? And in your opinion, do you think this logo will survive, uh, will survive and has actually the potential of really staying? Yeah. So, uh, right, I, I think Ken was, uh, Colesbun was speaking from kind of just his initial reaction to seeing the symbol, which is that, right, there are these sharp lines and it, it feels very negative. And there actually have been psychology studies that show that generally we think of downward pointing triangles specifically as being threatening. I can't say without further research exactly why that is but you know i have all sorts of lay theories about you know things that are sharp are often i think evolutionarily you can imagine why humans might be want to draw away from something like that but in any case i think that that's an interesting tension there that the size might look kind of threatening uh, but that that might also be the kind of urgency we need in this situation and i think maybe that's the reason why it's so powerful just the, the sharp angles of the hourglass really represent kind of the, the seriousness or urgency of the situation here um, in that we are running out of time to address climate change and that if we don't take action in the next decade, then we're going to face a, a series of consequences that we can't come back from. I guess in terms of staying power, it's hard to say. Um, not being an expert in logo design or um, the history of symbols myself, I, I don't have any predictions that are really rooted in fact. But I, I think that based on how quickly this logo has spread over just the last few months, and also for the reasons that we just talked about, that it's a, an easy, easily drawable symbol, um, it's easily identifiable, I imagine that this could resonate for years to come. Uh, I want to quote from um, Evan Nicole Brown. He wrote an article that I saw on fastcompany.com called How the Extinction Rebellion Got Its Powerful and Saturn Logo. And uh, he says, and I'm quoting, the Extinction Rebellion's, uh, Rebellion's logo is as visually unappealing as it is optimistic. It is a wise choice for a design that represents both an empowered collective and the shadow of ecological collapse at the same time. Whether this protest symbol suits an individual's fancy isn't the group's concern. Perhaps the most important part of a powerful protest art is that it makes you feel anything at all. So yeah, I guess we, you would agree that maybe the Extinction logo has this kind of, it gets it gets an emotional reaction maybe from people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think people immediately see that hourglass and it gets you thinking about time and yeah. how much time we have left to, to do something. Yeah. So finally, I want to ask you maybe about the importance of visual elements and movements in general, this type of movements. We're talking about logos. Um, we see sometimes flags that movements try to create. We have the anarchist flags. Even the um, American environmentalist movement uh, developed uh, a flag before. I think it was in the 70s called the ecology flag, which was green, white, and yellow, and it mimicked the United States flag. 
Uh, but beyond that, we often see people looking at, for example, uh, political posters. I remember seeing a report about um, there was an exhibit in South Africa where someone sort of collected all the anti-apartheid posters that was created during that movement. And we often look at propaganda posters and stuff like this. So I guess beyond logos and um, in general, how do you think, how much do you think the kind of um, visuals are important for movements like this, not only to represent them, but also to help them really spread or maybe get people emotionally involved? Yeah, well, I guess, right, so it sounds like there are two different elements to this kind of protest art that you could have. One, logos or symbols, which I think are kind of the, the most simplified, pared down version of an idea that represents an idea in a really simple way. And I think that has the power, or flag, like you mentioned, and I think that has the power to really just quickly be an identifiable way um, to, to show support and for you to look around at a protest even within your neighborhood and see what people stand for and, and to show your support of the movement. Like I'm thinking about gay pride flags, like mm -hmm. if I'm walking around the neighborhood um, and I see a house with a, a pride flag, that immediately tells you something about the beliefs of the people who live there without them, you ever having to talk to them, right? And I think it shows more broadly if you're walking around a neighborhood that has, you know, every other house has a pride flag. That also tells you something about maybe that neighborhood's beliefs um, and also the popularity of that idea. I think it's an easy visual cue to be able to see what people believe in and how popular an idea is. And I guess for, for other protest art, I think like, you know, pamphlets or these more complicated posters, uh, I think really have the power to just show in more detail what artists are thinking about and kind of what the zeitgeist of design is at that time. And I think it can also be, if that specific pamphlet or um, poster becomes popular in itself can almost become a symbol of sorts, right? Like um, I'm thinking about Rosie the Riveter around Halloween time. Every party as a Rosie the Riveter um, just becomes such a symbol, even though that was originally um, a type of political art, right? Mm -hmm. And and similarly in my neighborhood, um, I don't know what if Montreal might have a, a similar sign, but there are often how do you describe them? See, this is why symbols sometimes or logos are are easier <laughs> uh, because I can probably describe to a listener how to draw this extinction symbol, but I, I'm going to have a hard time explaining the sign, even if you've <laughs> seen it before. It's a black sign, and in uh, each line is a different color, um, and it says things, it says slogans about the people's beliefs, uh, like um, gay rights are everyone's rights, or, you know, women deserve equal pay, or you know, everyone belongs in this country. And I feel like it, it lists like seven or eight different slogans that are pretty progressive beliefs. And I feel like they have become incredibly popular, at least here in Seattle, where almost every other yard has one. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it just serves this purpose of immediately identifying the people who live in the house as having these beliefs. With me on the phone from Seattle, journalist Jane Sihu. Jane writes mainly about science, technology, and the outdoors. Jane recently wrote an article called The Story Behind the Extinction Rebellion Symbol at Climate Protest. Uh, we were talking about that extinction logo, a symbol that seems to be becoming a symbol of the environmentalist movement around the world. If you want to use the logo as well, you can get all the info and downloadable files for this logo if you're interested on the website created by the artist. It's extinctionsymbol.info. So thank you very much, Jane, for joining me today. 
Thanks so much for having me. My name is Sausan Kadura and you are listening to Digital Sites.